Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So to our fathers, to our fathers, the role, I'm a father, right? So I, I know the, the weight and the responsibility of the role of being a father. I feel grateful that I have a loving, great father who is both my physical dad and my spiritual dad. And I know for a lot of us that we, we can't say that. Uh, our relationships with our fathers were not great, and we had fathers who maybe didn't do a great job uh, shaping us and speaking into us. So I just want to encourage you guys, this is not what I'm going to preach on, but I just want to encourage you guys as fathers, whether you had a good father who represented our Heavenly Father well, or you had a father that lacked and didn't serve you well, I just want to say that you have, now being known by the Father, you have what it takes to be a good father. All right, so what's, what's so, in the same way that me being blessed by having a father that loved me, I can't let that define me as a father, right? I got to receive the love from the Father so that I can be a father on my own, right? And I feel blessed that I had a good father. In that same way, you can't let the poor experience or the poor example that your father had dictate and drive who you are as a father, right? The primary influencer in how you're going to be as a father is you understanding that you're a son of the father and that he loves you and he's crazy about you and he's given you all that you need and equipped you to be a father for your children and that you can love them well and serve them well and be a fun-loving dad and be a God-fearing dad and be a disciplinarian dad, right, who loves his children and disciplines them because he loves them and admonishes them and seeks to see their kids grow up to be men and women of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you in that, okay? So... Um, I'm going to head into a time now where we're going to uh, go through the teaching for this morning. And so we're, te- we're going through the parables. Who's liked going through the parables so far? Right? We all like stories, right? We all inevitably, like, we like to hear stories. We like to tell stories. I like to tell stories, right? I mean, I like to tell stories with my friends hanging out. I like to tell stories to my kids before they go to bed, right? And so this idea of God teaching us through Jesus, through story, it's powerful because we're drawn to good stories, right? Like me, the way I am, like if I hear something, if I hear a good story from somebody, I'll tell people even if they don't even know who I'm talking about. I'm like, you just got to hear the story because it's so good, you know? And I may sometimes add a little bit to it. I heard wisdom from a, a wise man who told me to never let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? Like just don't, don't complicate the story with facts, man. You know, so we love stories. We love to hear stories. We like to read books. We like to watch movies. And so Jesus does, is a master storyteller, right? So he's telling stories to his people, to his disciples, and to the crowd for the purpose of pointing to the Father, talking about the kingdom, getting at our hearts, right? And so it's really, really good for us to go through the parables and, and kind of put ourselves in there and to have God speak to us. So um, today we're going to go over the parable of hidden treasure and the pearl of great, value, of great value. So this is in Matthew 13, 44. 13, 44. So I'm going to read it and then pray and then we're going we're gonna to jump into it. So Matthew 13, 44 through 45. This is a short one. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man man found and covered up. 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Again, I'm grateful uh, to be a dad. I'm grateful to be uh, reminded of your father's love for me and that I get to love my children and uh, that you've equipped me to love them and serve them well. I pray for the fathers here, represented here in in this building, but also represented in this body. I pray that you would encourage them and challenge them that they would know that you've given them all they need to love and serve their families well and to lead their families well and to parent well and and to love well because of who you are. So I thank you for that, and I thank you for this morning and the opportunity to get into your word and to think about the kingdom and to think about the treasure. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would bring to light something new that we haven't heard before. If this is something common that we've heard often or we've listened to the story since we were young, Lord, I pray that this would be something new that you would get at our hearts, that you would speak clearly to us. Lord, I pray that I would be set aside and that you would be front and center and that you would be lifted up and that your kingdom would be made much of. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I think I'm going to move this down a little bit here. Is that better? It was kind of fumbling around there. Okay, so we read, these, we read this, um, this parable of the man who goes and finds the treasure. He finds the treasure, right? And then he hides it, and then he goes and sells all that he has to be able to buy this field. And then about the pearl, the same thing, right? So this is a short one, and I've found that for me personally, when I'm going through something, some of these, some of these parables are challenging, right? Like, holy cow, like the disciples would even pull Jesus aside later, and they'd say, Man, when you were talking back there to the crowd, man, we had no idea what you were talking about. Can you tell us what you were saying? And then he speaks to them in a little bit closer circle, right? He brings them in. So some of them are a little bit more complicated. And this one, there's, of course, like anything in Scripture, there's different interpretations on it. But this one, for, for being as short as it is, it, it packs a punch. It really does. It packs a punch. And I think the message of, this, of these two verses, of these parables, is one of cost, sacrifice, joy, and reward. Right? The cost and the sacrifice, the joy and the reward. And so as I was studying this, it was, I guess it wasn't too uncommon back in that day for, because there wasn't, uh, I guess, like a great setup for commodities and banking and interest and all that kind of stuff as we know it today. Um, so I guess it was oftentimes frequent where someone who would have treasure would bury it in their land. And they would just keep it there, right? And then for whatever reason, if, one of the, if the person that hid the treasure would go off to war or they die from some disease or they go to war and die or whatever, that tr- no one knew that that treasure was hidden there and it would, just be, it would just stay there, right? So it wasn't too uncommon for people to come across treasure on land that was kind of unclaimed, I guess, you know? Or maybe, or that they didn't, not unclaimed, but that people weren't aware of it being there, right? Because you read this and you're like, man, Jesus, what are you trying to tell us, man? Like, this guy went, he dug it up, he found it, he looked around to make sure no one was looking, and he's like, all right, let me make this transaction happen snappy before anyone else finds out what's here. So what the message there was that, like, I guess it wasn't too uncommon for this to happen, and so the guy who finds it, when he finds the treasure, he recognizes its value quickly and says, oh, my, no one knows about this. I'm going to hide this thing up real quick. 
I'm going to go take all the stuff that I have that is, the, that is all of my wealth, right? I'm going to get rid of it so I can buy this field. And in his joy, it says, he goes and buys that field because of the exchange, right? He recognizes that the value that's in this treasure is so far greater than the value of the things that he has that he's willing to and gladly gives up what he currently has to get the new value, the new treasure that's of significantly higher value. So there's this great exchange that happens, right? And so the same thing with the pearl, the guy who knows the value of pearls, this pearl merchant who understands, he's a merchant so he understands how that trade works and he knows that, whoa, he comes across one Boom, there's something happens. That light bulb goes off where he's like, I got it. I see it. I got to go get this thing. You know what I mean? It's sim- an imperfect example would be like someone who finds something on Craigslist or eBay and they're like, uh, this man or this woman who's selling this doesn't understand what they have. Let me go pay for it quickly before anyone else realizes it. You know what I mean? And you're like, yep, I'll take it. That's fine. Nope, no. Do you want me to package it up for you? No, just uh, give me it. I got to go. You know what I mean? Wow, what was that all about? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, This idea where the man who recognizes the value and gets rid of all that he has to go get it is one of cost and sacrifice. And Jesus shows us, I will get to that more later, he he, he shows us what that sacrifice looks like. So what I want to clarify too, what this is not saying, in case this is where your mind was going because you have the potential for this to do, I was thinking this as well. What this isn't saying is that you can buy your way into the kingdom that you can buy or earn your own salvation, right? Like, it's not saying that, like, oh, hey, I can do this, I'm going to give you this, and then now, I'm in, now you're indebted to me. That's not what it's saying. What it's pointing to, what the message of Jesus is getting at, the main point was one of sacrifice and reward and understanding the value, right? So it's not, like, don't, don't miss the main point for focusing on some of the smaller points, right? Like, we get really good at pointing out stuff like that. So the main point and the emphasis is on the supreme value of the hidden treasure. So the other thing that's represented here that Jesus is talking about, that he talked about often, was this idea of the kingdom. So Jesus is walking, he's talking with his disciples, and he's talking to the crowds. And everything that Jesus is talking about, most of the time, is about what his father is doing and about the kingdom, the kingdom that is to come, right? And he also, Jesus also says that the kingdom is not this one of this earth. It's not of this earth. It's of a different dimension. It's, it's, a, it's a heavenly kingdom. So he's always teaching, and he talks about the kingdom so often. If you look through all the parables, you know, we look at what all the ones that are, like, based on the kingdom, right? And there's a lot of them. There's quite a few of them. And so this is one of them where Jesus is pointing to, and he's building a case for himself, his father, and the kingdom, because he knows that we'll miss it otherwise. So he talks about it being in John 18, about my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. And so Jesus is telling the people, if they're hearing this, they're thinking, man, okay, so what, is this? what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go find treasure? Are we supposed to go look in a field? Is that the point? Are we supposed to go? No, the point is to get the value of the kingdom and be willing to take all that you have and sacrifice that for the kingdom of God. That's the point. So when I'm reading this and I'm hearing it, I'm thinking I'm starting to get a little bit convicted, right? Because if the kingdom, if the kingdom of God is the treasure, right? And he's saying the kingdom is like a man who goes and finds it sees the value, and then goes after it with all that he has, it makes me think, how am I living? 
How am I? Have I seen the great treasure of who Jesus is and what he's called me to? And am I willing to say no to all that I currently have to go yes hard after what the kingdom of God is? Am I willing to do that? So that's the question. Are you willing to consider the cost? Are you willing to recognize what that cost is going to be in, in the form of sacrifice for you to be able to get the reward which comes with the kingdom? I like it when Jesus asks the question. Bless you. I like it when Jesus asks the question and starts to poke at us because our hearts are revealed. I think sometimes we're thinking, you know what? I don't think I am willing to consider the cost. I don't think I am willing to give up what I have to be able to get on board with your kingdom. Because what I have right now, I've, I've worked really hard for. I've worked to build up my own name. I've worked to build up my own reputation. I went to school. I got this, got this degree. I got this job. Or, you know, I worked really hard to be able to start this company. Or I've worked really hard to have this family. And all these things that are good things can end up becoming a distraction for our heart, right? That will take us away from the kingdom of God, which is about people. The kingdom of God is about people. Jesus is talking about kingdom all the time, talking about the kingdom. And he came to seek and to save the lost, Jesus said. He came to seek and to save the lost, and he's doing what his father called him to do. So he comes, he gives of himself so that he can have a people that he can call his own that can be family, and he gives of himself, and that's the kingdom. And he's asking us, as he's painting the picture, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's asking the question, do you want to be part of the kingdom? Do you want to come along? I see all of us have our own little individual kingdoms that we have that we're in charge of or we're partly in charge of, right? And we say, These are, this is my thing and I've built it and it's good and it's all right, you know? And so I don't think that we will fully give ourselves fully to the kingdom of God until we recognize the significantly higher value of the kingdom of God and the treasure in comparison to what we already have. Okay, so it's, a, it's an understanding of like, wow, man, the, when the guy saw the treasure, he's like, this valuable treasure that is here is so far more important and more valuable than the small things that I have. So he couldn't get rid of it quick enough. So if you remember back to the time when you first met the Lord, or you got saved, or you got, come to know the Father, you, you were broken over your sin, right? And you repent over your sin. You're like, God, I got to do whatever I got to do. I, I just, I can't believe you love me so much. And you move quickly to the Father. You're recognizing that the life that you have, that you've been living, is nothing compared to the life that God has called you to and the riches and the abundance and the valuable assets, right, of kingdomly assets that you will walk into. So it's this exchange. It's this exchange. And so we oftentimes have that battle where we're like, ah, Man, so the reason I wanted to teach on this is because I struggle with that. I struggle with that. I struggle with wanting to have a good name for myself or a good reputation. And people say, oh, he's a nice guy or he's a good guy, blah, 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 whatever. I share that all the time. But sometimes I would rather have that than to walk in the kingdom that God's called me to. Right? So this kingdom is one that requires complete and total reckless abandonment to the kingdom of God and to the king. Because he's called us... By, by the very nature of the fact that it's called the kingdom, he's called us to reign with him, to walk with him as a, we're called a royal priesthood, right? As, as brothers and sisters of Christ, we're adopted into family. As sons and daughters of the king, we are walking under the banner of the kingdom of heaven. And he gives us marching orders with work and responsibility to do, which is to go do what he was already doing, which is to go after his people because he wants his family to expand, right? So he gives us this picture of, you know what, you want to come along and be part of my kingdom? I need you to give it all up. 
I need you to give it all up. But it's not punitive, right? It's not this disciplinary action that God has taken where he's just like, listen, it may be better. It might be better for you to come and be part of my kingdom. He's saying, no, if you give it all up, I will give you a rich life, but you have to give it all up. That's not halfway. It's not like you can have your foot in both camps, right? I remember one point where there was, Jesus was calling out to his disciples, and one of them said, it wasn't one of the 12, but one of them said, yeah, Jesus, I'm on board. I'll come with you, but first let me go bury my, my dead family member, right? And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Come with me. That is extreme, right? That's not, you're not going to see that on a bumper sticker, Right? So Jesus is calling us, no, right? I mean, it's like Jesus is calling us saying, listen, you need to get the value of the kingdom. You need to see the value of the reward. And then once you see the value of the treasure, the sacrifice and the cost will be nothing. It will be nothing once you recognize the treasure, once you recognize the kingdom, once you recognize your role in the kingdom. It will be easy to give up your kingdom and your life and your own identity to be adopted in and folded into God's kingdom. Amen? So, Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Again, the danger we run into with reading, with, with going through things that are common, like we've heard, who, by the way, let me ask you this, who's heard the story of the, the treasure? Raise your hand if you've heard it. Raise your hand if you've never heard this parable before. Okay, so a few of us have never heard it before, right? But most of us, it's a common thing, right? So the danger that we run into, which is why it's good to break it down, is that this common message, we miss it because we've heard it before. So for those of us that haven't heard it before, it's fresh, and we're like, wait, what? Wait, what? And so, and that's also the same term. I think a lot of us have probably heard this too. What does it get? What does it prop? Um, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? That's also something that we've heard, we've heard before as well, right? That came from Jesus. So he's saying, anyone who seeks, anyone who seeks to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Jesus is always talking in these paradoxes. If you want to try to save your life, you want to try to build your own kingdom. You'll lose it. But, but, whoever loses their life for me will find it. So, my question is, do we and have we recognized the value of the kingdom? Have we recognized the treasure who Jesus is? That he came to seek and to save the lost and he wanted to adopt us into his family. Do we trust him and do we take him at his word? That it's good enough and that it's better than anything that we can ever come up with. Right? Do we? That's the question. That's the question for us. And Jesus asks it hard to his disciples. Man, it's hard. This lands hard, right? It lands heavy. It lands heavy only if we don't trust who God is. It lands heavy only if we don't really trust that the exchanged treasure or that the exchanged kingdom is so far better than what we could ever build up on our own. Paul says it like this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. This is Paul, who was a well-educated man of prestige, position, and power, 
right, who was persecuting the church and had it all. If anybody had any reason to brag or to say that they had earned a right to be part of the church or to be part of the kingdom, it was Paul because he had done it all. He was well-respected, had position, power, influence, identity, all of that. And when he gets knocked on his tail by Jesus on his way to Damascus, and he gets humbled, and Jesus blinds him, and then later the scales fall off, and he says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he sees Jesus for who he is. Everything changes for him. He's like, I've been missing it. I've been going about this all wrong. And he gives himself over to be possibly persecuted himself, right? Like he had to have known that once he stepped into the arena of being part of the Christian camp, he was going to take shots because he was the one who was delivering the shots like three weeks earlier, right? So he says, I count it all a loss compared to, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in, Jesus, faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I count them all as rubbish, says Paul. Can we say that? Can we say, you know what, when it comes down to it, I don't care what people think of me. All I care about is that I'm, on the, I'm in the kingdom. Do I care? Do I care? Do we care? What if people found out that you, this person who claims to be a Christian and is walking with Jesus, right? And you care about Jesus and you're praying, you're loving, you're, oh man, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to make, and then all of a sudden people find out here in Madison that you're an exclusivist, that you love Jesus. And John says, Jesus is the only way, right? The only way to the Father is through Jesus. And people say, you can't be one of those guys. You can't be one of those closed-minded guys. There's no way. There's no other way to the Father other than through Jesus. You got to be. You got to own that. You got to own that. There's no other way. So we got to be okay being misunderstood. We have to be okay being misunderstood because we're going to show the world, guess what? You know what? I don't mind if, you if I look misunderstood to you. I'm understood by the king. I'm understood by the king, and I'm on his team. But I'll tell you, I really want people to like me. I tell you this all the time. I want people to like me. I want people to think highly of me. I had a friend challenge me. I probably shared this last time. A friend challenged me, like, what's going to happen to your business, right? What would happen to your business if people knew how committed to Jesus you were? Would you be okay to trust Jesus, right? In Madison, I love Madison, right? But Madison, the culture of Madison, the culture in our country right now, is it one that's favorable toward the gospel or is it kind of an against it? It's going against it, and it's not going to be turning anytime soon unless God shows up through his people. Amen? Amen. So in the meantime, we're going to have to be ready to be misunderstood and criticized. I'm really comfortable and cozy right now. I'm super comfortable and cozy. In the business community, in the real estate community, whatever community, like, you know, people know me. I'm not saying I'm super popular, right? But like people know me, they know they like me. But what if I say, hey, you know what? I love Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. I need you to know that. I want you to come with me. What is wrong with you? Have you lost it? Have you lost your mind? Man, I think if people aren't asking it, I don't think we're doing enough. I don't think we're doing enough. I think we're too comfortable. I think we're too comfortable in our own reputations, in our own worlds. We don't want people to think we're one of those guys, one of those people, one of those radical, fanatical people. Jesus, through this parable, is calling us to a radical abandonment to his kingdom. There's not 
You can't have it both ways. Let the dead go bury their own dead, Jesus says. Anyone who doesn't hate his mother and father can't come. That's what he says. That's, in, that's crazy. That's the king that we've signed up with. It's all comparison and value driven, though. It's all about, like, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you, we're going places. Do we trust him? I'm hoping this lands heavy on you, honestly, because I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about whose kingdom you're looking to build. I want you to think about whose kingdom you are building. Are you building your own, or are you working for the king who's called you by name with a purpose? It's heavy, right? Okay. Here's a quote by John Piper. The kingdom of God is so valuable that, if, that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. Having the omnipotent saving reign of Christ in our lives is so valuable that if we lost everything in order to have it, it is a joyful sacrifice. It's a joyful sacrifice. Now, when we hear that, we're like, that's Piper, man. He's crazy. He's radical. He, even people in his camp think he's crazy. Right? Like, it, like, you can't bring that on me. Right? That's Piper. That guy's wild. You know? You're talking about the Apostle Paul. You know? That's the call. That's the call. The, the guys who get it. When you see the guys who get it and you're like, man, that guy just lived, they're living crazy. Like, that doesn't make any sense for them to do that. Or the curses, for example. Right? We know the curse, right? They were here. We, we, pray, we prayed for them. We sent them off. We support them. Right? They, are, they, they committed themselves to a life of serving a people who don't know Jesus. They trained for five years to be able to understand the culture and the language and the norms so that they could just first go and get involved, right? So they're seeing, oh, God, you are so valuable, and you want all people to know you, and there's these groups of people that don't know you. What do we got to do? What do we got to do to, give a, to, to, to go preach to these people, to go serve them so they can know him? Oh, we got to give up five years of our life to train, and then we got to give up 20 years of our life to go serve them? I'm in. Boom. That's crazy. That's radical. Honestly, I'm like, that is a lot. But then I get inspired, and I think, man, you know what? I'm proud of those guys. I am super proud of those guys because they get the value, the value of serving the king and having more people know about the king and that the king is crazy about them and that he wants to expand his family is worth it. It's worth it to give up the comforts of American living, right, to be able to go serve people who don't yet know him. I'm convinced our comforts that we live in right now are the things that will entangle us and keep us from pursuing the kingdom. It's intense. It's the good stuff that's going to keep us back from pursuing God. It's the good stuff. It's, like the, it's, the, it's the permissible stuff, right? I love to be able to relax. I love to be able to have entertainment. I love to be able to go out and eat a good meal. I love to be able to spend time with friends, right? Like enjoying a good meal and a good drink. I love all that stuff. None of that stuff is bad, but when it becomes the object of your affection and your sole purpose to pursue your life to build it so you can have more of that rather than be able to give yourself to people, to call them into the family and to see them be made disciples so that Jesus can say, welcome into the kingdom. It's nothing. It's nothing. So we, I want to preach this for me. I want to hear this because I need to hear this. The sacrifice that we see is, is, is modeled so beautifully by Jesus himself. It's modeled so beautifully. Like Jesus is talking about the kingdom 
And he says that a man goes and finds the treasure, hides it again, goes and sells all that he has so that he can, in his joy, go get that treasure. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus, was, Jesus is God. He's living in heaven, in all the majesty of heaven, right? Where there's no hurt, and there's no pain, and there's no struggle, right? And there's nothing. And his job is to come down and to take the burden of sin on our behalf so that he can say, enter into your rest. Thank you, Jesus. What a great model, right? So Jesus is modeling that sacrifice. And even right before he goes into the guard, right before he goes to the cross, he's even asking the Father with tears, can there be another way? Can there be another way for you to buy back your bride? There has to be another way. There has to be. Can we please not do this? And he's met with silence. But not my will, but your will be done. And he goes to the cross and takes the pain and takes the torture and takes the suffering so that he can call us back into family. Jesus, seeing the role and the will of the Father as a great treasure to serve, and the people that he would die for as his treasure were far greater or far greater worth to pursue than his own life or his comfort in heaven. That is powerful. That's a powerful example. Right? So the same, so Jesus isn't going to ask us to do something that he hasn't already done himself. And he will give us the grace to equip us to do it. Okay? So Jesus sees his people, the church, the bride, as so far more valuable than the life that he has or the, the existence in, the king, in, in heaven that he's willing to sacrifice for a greater value. And that's us, that's his people. We are the object of his affection, right? He's so crazy about us that he was willing to suffer and to be tortured on our behalf, to die for our sins, to be redeemed back to him so that he could call his sons and daughters into his family. We are the treasure. We are the treasure. So will you let that drop on you for a second? You're like, whoa, I've been the recipient of great grace. I've been the, re the recipient of, great, of a great exchange of value. Now what? Jesus is saying, all you have to do is do the same thing I did. Just go get rid of everything and come follow me. Come follow me. And it will be far greater than anything you could ever do. So he models for us what it would be, right? We see this interesting exchange, right, where Jesus is talking and he's, and he's speaking to the disciples. And we hear yet another commonplace where Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler, right? So a man comes up to Jesus and says, hey, I've done, you know, what do I need to do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? You know, he's like, I've done this, 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 this. I've followed all these laws. I've done everything. And Jesus says to him in, verse, in Matthew 19, 21 through 22, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It's almost the same message, right? Like, hey, go get rid of it all. Come to me. Jesus is saying he's the treasure. Right there. He's saying he's the treasure. And the young man heard this. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away sad. What did the guy in the parable in, in, in Matthew 13 do when he recognized the treasure? He went and in his joy went and sold everything that he had to be able to get the treasure. Here we have an that was a That was a, a parable. This actually happened where Jesus is speaking to the man. And he says, just get rid of it all. Go sell it all. Give it away, and then come follow me. And the guy's like, oh, that's too much. It's too much. 
I can't. And he got sad because he was probably doing this like, looking at his like asset documentation, right? He's like, I got that, I got that, I got that. Whoa, that's a lot. He walked away. He walked away. Pretty sure that for us today, we're more like the rich young ruler than we are the guy who goes and sells it all. I know I am. You need what? I'm gonna walk away, I'm gonna walk away. That's too much, it's too much. He was saddened. Rather than the guy who in his joy went and sold all they have, get rid of all this crap, are you kidding me, to get that treasure? How quickly can I do this? How fast can I get rid of this? How qu- this is a silly exchange. Let me get this done super quick, right? Which one are we? Are you the guy who's going to be like, oh, you're asking for everything? I might be misunderstood. I might not be able to get that thing. Some of us, it's material stuff. Other stuff, it's identity and position, right? So some of us want that stuff. We want the stuff here, right? And Jesus is saying, whatever it is, whatever that thing is, Jesus is going to poke at What's that thing? You want your identity? You want, to be, you want to look good in front of man? How about looking good in front of me? Set that aside. You want that job? You need that position? How about being, having a position in my kingdom? Set that aside. I'll give you a new position. You want this identity? Listen, I got, I got a new one for you. But whatever it is, and it's going to be different for each one of us, it's going to be different for each one of us, the thing that Jesus calls that he asks us to lay down in order to get on board with him. It's going to be different. And this isn't this legalistic, weird thing. It's not a workspace thing. It's an exchange of value. Because what Jesus is offering is so far greater than anything that we could ever come up with on our own. And we got to believe him. we got to believe him because, listen, if we give up, it's mostly a mindset thing. For some of us, it might be practical. For some of us, we actually really might need to go sell everything we have. Some of us might need to do that. I don't know. You have to, and, and if you do do that, I would encourage you to do that in community. Like, talk to someone about it. <laughs> like, hey, right? Like, well, I heard that we're supposed to go do this. You know, like, have a plan, you know, right? If that's what you're supposed to do. If that's what you're supposed to do, that'd be amazing. Man, that'd be great. And that would, that, who knows what that would do for our body, right? But for some of us, it might just be a heart thing then there's some activities that we might need to stop doing. Or there might be some things that we need to stop doing. There might be some people that we need to be like, hey, you know what? Like, I can't hang with you anymore. I love you, but when I'm around you, I step into this mindset of toxic negativity, and I'm drawn to start doing stuff that I know isn't good for my soul. I got to stop that. So, like, one of us has to change. You can come with me if you want, but I can't come with you. I love you, but we got to stop this. That's what that might look like. Right? To say no. Right? To sell everything. Right? If you have a group of friends that you know that you love, that you care about them and they care about you, but you know they're not trying to honor the Lord. They're not trying to get on board and like get, and get after the kingdom. They're, someone's going to change in that exchange. Right? Like you're either going to become like them and head down the road towards destruction or they're going to become like Jesus as you go follow him. Something has to give, though, right? So you may have some friends that are toxic that you need to think about, like, how the Lord would have you handle that relationship and how you would lead and walk that out. But you got to pray about that on your own. There might be your job, right? Your job may be a great job for you. It may provide a great income for you. But if it messes with your heart and if it messes with, if it creates this toxic, like, poison in you, or you're working too much, or whatever, like if it's your identity, right, and it's not healthy, I wouldn't say quit your job, but I would say consider what God would have you do 
in your job to be able to change so that your mindset isn't all about you and your identity and your work, but it's about what God's put you there to do. And if it's really, really, really bad, you may need to pray and just ask God to give you another opportunity somewhere else. Okay, so my point is to challenge you to think about the things that you maybe not, that you're not willing to give up, that God would call you to give up for a greater good and a greater value. Okay, it's going to be different for all of us, but it's going to be sacrificial either way. Because Jesus sacrificed all that he was to get us back to him, it's going to be sacrificial for us. But hopefully we can do it in joy. Hopefully we can do it in joy. So we see that Jesus pursued us and he came to love us and he gave all of who he was to be able to get us. We should reciprocate that. We should be willing to reciprocate that. We should be willing to trust him and to listen to him and to at least to start asking the questions like, God, how do you want me to change? How do you want me to live? What things have I elevated over you? What things can I let go of? Francis Chan has an amazing quote. He says this, Jesus didn't sit in heaven talking about his feelings for you. His love went way beyond words and feelings. Jesus was all about action all about sacrifice. Way before you were even born, he had been pursuing you aggressively. He left the glory and comforts of heaven for you. He endured endured torture and ridicule for you. He endured the Father's wrath for you. No one will ever love you that much, nor endure that much pain for you. He didn't sit passively in in, in heaven criticizing you. He zealously came after you. Will you respond to his pursuit? Ask the question. Will you respond to his pursuit? And when you do it, enjoy. I think the message, I don't want this to come off as like this. Bah! You need to, you know what I mean? I want to elevate the value of the kingdom, the value of the treasure, so that once we get it, if God drops it on us, we see the value of the treasure that we're like, like the man in the parable, we do it joyfully. We do it joyfully. I'm convinced that joy isn't a personality trait, okay? It's not a personality trait. Oh, that guy's just really happy-go-lucky. Hmm, maybe. But I think as believers, we better radiate joy. We better radiate with peace. We should, because of the great gift that we've been given, we should be able to emulate that and have a peace that passes understanding and have a joy that's inexplainable to the watching world, right? And just be like, man, do you see those guys? Like, they got some crazy beliefs. I, I can't wrap my head around them. But man, they got this peace about them. They got this joy that they walk with. But it seems crazy, but I kind of want some of it. So joy is not a personality trait. It's a gift of the Spirit. And God calls us to walk in that. He calls us to walk in that. And that's a challenge for us, right? Because so many times we can kick into like cynicism mode and be like, man, but there's so much of this and this didn't happen and that didn't happen and I didn't get this and that person got this and I should have, could have, all that kind of stuff. Just stop. Just stop. We've been given so much. The man in his joy goes and sells all that he has so that he could buy the field and get the treasure because it was so, so valuable. Can we give it up? Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to give up being misunderstood, your reputation, your comfort, your security? What's that thing? What is that thing? I'm trying to push on that thing to see what it is that needs to go so that you can have more life in the spirit and do it joyfully with peace, 
for you and for your family and for those around you and for the watching world who desperately needs a family and desperately needs to know that the Heavenly Father loves them and zealously is pursuing them and will give up everything to have them. And just like Jesus came to save his people and his work was to be on board to go after people, we need to joyfully give up everything and go pursue his people to bring him into the kingdom. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. He pursued people. Everything he did was pursuing people. The people were the treasure. The people were the treasure. So we need to do that. So we need to analyze our own lives. Man, are we spending ourselves too much on things that don't have kingdom value? Are we giving ourselves, are we too tired at the end of the day to think about, oh, I got to do that thing. That person needs that thing. And that, oh, that guy's asking me those questions. I got to go serve that guy. Like, are our lives too busy? Have we overscheduled our lives and allowed no margin for kingdom work? Have we done that? I mean, that's a question I ask myself all the time because my life is busy. It's really busy. And I look at how much margin do I have to give myself to the things of the kingdom, right? Or even the mindset of it, right? Like, even the mindset, like, can I give myself? Am I going long here? Hopefully not too long. So, here's what C.S. Lewis says. This is so good. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that the Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us and like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what is, what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Are we far too easily pleased? Is the treasures that we have entangling us so that we can't even see the treasure of the kingdom? We're far too easily pleased. So that's the challenge. Check yourself. Check yourself. Like, what's endearing your mind? What are the things that you're imagining? What's captivating your imagination? What are the things that you dream about, that you care about, that you can't wait to get? How, when you're setting goals, right? Like, this is what I want to see my life look like. Is the kingdom involved at all? Are there kingdom implications to your practical decisions? Where you're going to live? Where you're going to work? How you're going to live? Who you're going to pursue, right, in a relationship? Right? What that relationship's going to look like, when you're going to get married, if you're going to get married, when you get married, how are you going to do that? Like, are there kingdom implications to your practical decisions that you make in everyday life? There should be a kingdom pursuit whenever you're doing, whatever you're doing. That gets super practical. Right? Like, hey, I'm going to take this vacation. Okay, there's value in spending time with your family, pursuing your family. There's value in that, right? There's, but so... Is what you're looking to do escapism from reality? Or is it like rest so that you can rebuild and then go get on board with kingdom work? That's the challenge. This is the challenge for me. So, I think I pushed hard enough. <laughs> Here's what I want us to do. We're going to head into a time of worship, okay? And I'm going to invite the team up now. As we head into a time of worship, we're going to have communion. I want us to think about what it looks like for us to go sell everything that we have and to go buy that field to get the treasure. Who are the people in your life that you need to be pursuing? What are the objects of your own affection and your imagination that aren't godly? They may not be like 
bad, but they're a distraction, right? Who are those relationships that you might need to have those hard conversations with where you're just like, hey, listen, I can't do this anymore. This stuff we're doing, whatever it is, you guys feel, right? Like whatever, this stuff, this isn't good for my soul, right? I need to stop. I need to make a change. I need to stop that. I need to move on. So we're going to play some music. I'm going to dim the lights here. And then, hold on. Awkward silence as this sinks in. So, I want you to think about this. So, we're going to head up to a time of communion. The worship team is going to play some quiet music. As you go to take the communion, remember, this is the body and the blood of Christ that was poured out for you to be part of his family. Right? So, think about that. I think sometimes we can go too quickly. It's great that we do it every week, but we can go too quickly and we don't realize what we're doing. Right? So, Think about this for the next two to three minutes. Just pray and ask God to speak to you, right? And I'm not talking condemnation, man. If, I, if, I, if, if there was any implied condemnation here, that's not from me. All right? I mean, that's not from the Lord, I mean. That's not, that's not from the Lord. Sorry, that's from me. I don't intend that to be that at all. I want you to freely walk into the throne room of the, of, of the king and say, what do I need to do? Okay, so I'll pray for us. Father, thank you for your call to us and your pursuit of us. I pray, Lord, that right now that you'd be speaking to your church and to your body and to your people and that you'd be speaking to them about what you want them to give up to be able to get the surpassing, significantly more valuable treasure of the kingdom. God, I pray that there'd be no condemnation at all. I pray against that in Jesus' name and I ask for forgiveness if I've heaped that on because I don't want that. And you don't want that. But you want your people to come to you. And you want them. You want a family. And you want to expand your family. And you want them to belong. So I pray that you'd speak to your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen.